0: Here's what's coming up on today's show.
1: Kind of what we specialize in is doing that kind of retirement income piece and and make it last as long as you can, because if you're saving on taxes, that means you don't have to take out as much, which means your portfolio lasts a lot longer. Welcome to the Perfect Game Retirement Podcast with former professional baseball player and now financial coach at Black Oak Asset Management, Ryan Ledman. This show will help you make the right financial decisions so you can pitch a perfect game in retirement. Here's the wind up and the delivery. Well,
0: hello and welcome in to Perfect Game Retirement. Glad to have you on the podcast today. Got a good show for you today. We're kicking off the new year with a 10-point checklist for retirement preparedness. Really, you know, if you're looking ahead to the new year and thinking about kind of where do I stand with retirement? If you're getting close, maybe you're retiring this year or next, you want to go through these questions and make sure you can answer them. Make sure you have a plan for each of the things we talk about today on the show. So it should be a good one. Ryan, how's the new
1: year treating you so far? Uh, New Year's great. Um, I'm glad we're we're recording this and then sending this out in February because I think we get inundated with like New Year's stuff, goals, resolutions, whatever. And so I think this is a, a good time for this to to come out and be released. And it's kind of a recheck of of January because you know, we all know the stats. We all know people, you know, fall off the wagon. What is it, 21 days or 19 or whatever the days yeah. are, but. So I think this is kind of a good reset uh for people to to take a look at this stuff and, in February and kind of kind of focus back on what they're trying to do for the year.
0: Yeah, and plus in January now you've got to worry about national championship games to go
1: to and <laughs> you gotta carve that time out as well. So just so much going on. I know. I won't I won't gloat too much because again, it's all there there's so much parity and in college football, as soon as you start running your mouth and thinking you're <laughs> at the top, which, yeah, they were. Georgia was the last two years, which is awesome. I never in a million years thought that that this would happen. So I'll, I'll enjoy it, but um, I'm, I'm not going to run my mouth too because then, you know, um, when you open your mouth and then things start – it's just bad. It's mm-hmm. bad juju. You don't want to do it. I mean, obviously, yep. you know, you saw the parade and then that horrible event. Oh, yeah. I just um, Oh, my gosh. So it's just that's where you, if you feel like you're on your high horse. There's, there's that you can fall off that high horse pretty, pretty darn quick. And it was just a very unfortunate uh, chain of events. So just on top of the world one minute and then gone the next. So it was a, a tragic story, but happy for the, happy for the university and the, and the football team at the same time.
0: Yeah. You can't take anything for granted in life mm-hmm. and you can never, you should never get too high or too low. Right. Cause that's right. Life can quickly shift on you. So good note there to kick things off. Let's, let's jump into this checklist. Again, 10 questions here. We want to kind of run through to make sure you have answers to, if you're trying to assess kind of where you are with retirement, let's start off with, uh, do you know exactly how much you're going to need in terms of income each month?
1: Yeah. I'm glad this is number one, because this is probably number one answer that people don't know. And, and it's unfortunate. Um, but sometimes we just don't pay attention as much as we should so and it's not we all know it's not rocket science it's just kind of the the process of of doing it and going through your budget so again just print off bank statements for the last three months and have a sit-down meeting either with yourself or someone else a spouse or whoever and just go through and just see what spending is consistent which one is variable and that should hone in but it's just amazing how Especially when people are making good money while they're working, they just kind of spend. They know how much they make, and they know they need to stay within a framework, but they don't budget and know exactly where everything is going. So, knowing exactly, it's amazing when I ask that question when we start doing income plans for pre-retirees and even retirees when uh, when they do get to that point. But especially pre-retirees, they just ask them that question: Hey, how much are we how much income are we shooting for? What what are we looking at? What do we want? To, try to put as our, our goal to have in in retirement and people just like, I'm not sure just how much can this create? So sometimes we have to back into that number, but it's good to have a, an idea of, of how much you need. Yeah. We don't like staying within that budget. I'm sure that's probably a,
0: a resolution for a lot of people this year is, Hey, this year is going to be different. I'm going to stay that's right. within that number. Uh, second one. So kind of along the same lines with income planning. So you know how much you're going to need. So where do you pull that money from? And that's the, kind of the question next year is like, what what account are you withdrawing from first once you get into retirement?
1: Yeah, and this one, there, there's a lot of literature on this and I know most people don't read it, but um, I do, cause that's my job and that's kind of the nerdy stuff that I like to read. But when it comes to accounts, there's really not one. And I've read articles where people say, oh, you need to draw down this account first and then draw down this account second. I, I disagree. Uh, a lot depends on what buckets of income you do have. And your taxation of those buckets of income, or when I say buckets, I mean accounts or just an income stream that will be created either from an investment account, a pension, social security, an annuity, uh, rental income, whatever that looks like, and factor in taxes of that. So I don't think just drawing down your IRA first and then you know drawing down brokerage accounts or uh, non, what they call non-qualified accounts second and then Roth last. I think it's it's a constant movement. It depends on how account balances are doing. It depends on how close you are to a tax bracket that you're in because so many things spill over from a taxable income standpoint that we've, that we've talked on this show before, but different accounts are taxed differently, but your taxable income is the key indicator of what other things are taxed at. What I mean by that is, your social security is taxed at a higher level. If your taxable income is high enough and I won't go into all the rabbit hole numbers of all this stuff. So I'm talking high level, but, uh, Medicare premiums, same thing are based off of taxable income, not income taxable income. So again, I'll, I'll kind of leave it at that, but it's good to have tax diversification of accounts non-qualified accounts. Again, those are taxed at short-term, long-term capital gains. You got your Roth money, obviously tax-free, got your pre-tax money that comes from your qualified accounts. So there's just different ways. And then social security is taxed a little bit differently as well. Uh, So just a lot of different things to consider. So I think it really depends each and every month. And that's, that's kind of what we specialize in is doing that kind of retirement income piece and and make it last as long as you can. Because if you're saving on taxes, that means you don't have to take out as much, which means your portfolio lasts a lot longer.
0: Well, you know, when you're talking about those income pieces, let's add one more to that as part of our conversation here. Number three on the list is, do you know the ideal time to take Social Security? And I think a lot of people maybe think about this more, hey, don't need to go ahead and just jump in there now, especially with this recent COLA increase. Is it best mm-hmm. to go ahead and take those benefits now?
1: Right, yeah, that's, let me get mine. Uh, yeah. it's, it's what a lot of people, uh, and that's just, uh I'm not saying it's a wrong reason. Uh, I think it's, you're not factoring in all the variables. So I think it's a little bit a knee-jerk reaction, if you will, decision. And, and there's been plenty of people that I know personally that have taken that decision and say, you know, the Social Security is not going to be around. You know, in my humble opinion, it, it, it will. Um, it, there'll be modifications to it. There'll be changes to it. There'll be t- different taxation that may be means tested. There's a bunch of different things they can do to continue Social Security on uh, will your benefits be less? Yeah, sure. They, you know, it's federal government, they can do anything they want, um, it, which includes just completely getting rid of social security. I, again, I don't, <laughs> that would be a monumental move if the federal government did that. So knowing the ideal time to take social security, a lot of different factors. When do you need income? Uh, do you have other income sources that you can delay the credits for social security because it just only increases over time? Most people know that they know, you know, some people don't or may not know you can't go past 70. So 70 is the limit on that. You know, what's the break even age if I claim it at 62 versus 70 or my full retirement age versus 70? There's a whole bunch of math that's involved with that and health is a big part of it. Okay. What is your health Um, or is your spouse? Could they claim or keep your benefit? So there's some, there's some factors there too. You don't, if you're not healthy, you don't want to just claim it just to claim it because if you're married, a larger benefit is going to carry on with your spouse. So if you delay it longer than that benefit, if it's higher than your spouse, the spouse keeps the higher of the two Incomes. Obviously, one income is lost because one person has passed, but you at least keep the higher of the two. So, a lot of different things involved there. But don't just claim Social Security just because you think it's going to go away. I just this may hurt people's feelings. I think it's a little bit irresponsible to make a decision based off of that because this could be a a, a few hundred thousand dollar decision when it comes to your Social Security benefit.
0: All right, we're talking about ten points that you want to check off your list to make sure you're ready for retirement. And our fourth one here is, have you addressed the longevity risks so that you make sure that you don't outlive your money?
1: Yeah, this one's a real tough one because we don't know how long we're going to live. I mean, it goes back to our uh, opening remarks of this show. We, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So man, it, it is a, uh, a tough balance sometimes of saving for a long period of time and making that money last and and living for today. So there's some longevity annuities that are out there. And again, I'm not gonna go down that rabbit hole of the specifics of a longevity annuity. Um, those are, you you take those out later in life. Uh, if you do live in basically your mid 80s on, there's income annuities um, that continue on with your whole life or a joint life, that's guaranteed income. Many of those just kind of pay the same amount. There are some that have inflation riders on there, but. Most of them just pay the same out. So inflation is gonna hurt those a little bit, but it's income. Uh, social security, as long as you paid into the system and you had uh, 40 quarters into the system, then you can collect social security. And that's, social security is an annuity too. I know annuity is a, is a cuss word sometimes in our industry, but social security is an annuity. Your pension's an annuity. It pays you out annually. That's kind of where it comes from. So, um, a lot of people haven't addressed the specifics of am i going to outlive my money and if so and that's why when we do income plans for people we like to use very conservative rates of return and build in negative years in there too so we try to paint as clear a picture as possible obviously we don't know when those negative years are going to happen we don't know when those really really big booming positive years are going to happen but we make adjustments for those each and every year, but addressing the longevity risk is is probably people's largest concern because of two things. They maybe haven't saved enough and we're just living a whole lot longer, uh, than we, than we have generations ago. And I know that that average lifespan age is starting to kind of level itself out, even tick down a little bit, but still if, uh, the statistics show, if you're healthy in your mid sixties, pretty good chance you're going to live into your nineties. Yeah,
0: and that, you know we want to. We won't. We don't have to worry about that money. That we want to be able to enjoy that that long life. That's the plan. All right. A couple things here. The next two points are kind of uh, more top of mind right now because of the last uh, year plus and just kind of the way the economy's been. But the first one here is: Are you prepared? And this is probably both from a, a planning standpoint and mo- maybe emotionally too. But are you prepared to handle market volatility?
1: Yeah, which, yeah, you're right. That's especially in 2022. And that may continue in 2023. But 2022 definitely had volatility all over the place. And again, volatility can be a good thing. It, it can work its way up too. Um, obviously, we, we associate volatility with uh, market downturns, which we again, we saw last year and really pretty much every major index, especially when you talk about the Dow or the S&P and the NASDAQ, all three of those were we're down in, in different amounts. Again, that's why you diversify uh, to, to spread out some of that market volatility. But you know, most people don't know what their volatility number is and every portfolio should have an association with what your volatility number uh, or your risk number is. So there is a math component to standard deviation and that's what volatility is. So you should know what your downside risk is and what your uh, upside is. So there's a math component to it. I know there's some outliers, so you can't, it's hard to be 100% accurate on this thing, but within about a 95% certainty, you should know what your standard deviation is. So based off your portfolio, uh, 95% certain, I'm gonna be down 11 and up 17. I'm gonna be somewhere in there. And we have to do that with our clients, especially last year um, when we pegged their, Portfolio to an actual number, then we know. Okay, here's where you're going to be. And a lot of people we look at it. You know, negative years stink. You know, it's it's not fun to have reviews. uh, But most clients know those things are going to happen. So if we look at it and say, Hey, here's your here's your 95 percent certain you were going to be down this number, and we're inside of that number, so we're we're within range. And I think when a, a lot of people hear that, Hey, we're still in range of what your portfolio was set up as. Then it's a little bit of a sigh of relief again red numbers aren't great to look at but it's still hey i'm still within what we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish so as long as people know they're still in the right lane and and the guardrails are still up then most people are usually good they just got to hear it from us
0: what about inflation then because that's the next thing that you know, I think we're all paying attention to. And it seems like we've kind of made a little bit of progress over the last few months in terms of bringing it down. But it's now, I think retirees and pre-retirees understand you got to have a plan to combat inflation. It's not always going to be 8%, but it could be, and you need to be prepared.
1: Yeah, that's a tough one because most of the time, I say most, most of the time, the, the best way to keep up with inflation is either real estate or stock market. And some people aren't willing to take, enough risk to keep up with inflation because again that standard deviation number may be too high for them to take on that risk to try to keep up with an eight eight percent inflation number and you're right we're showing signs of that slowing down which is good it also means interest rates have maybe continued to go up i know there's a big announcement today on what the fed's going to be doing here here coming up and everybody's keeping a watchful eye on that uh, so borrowing to, to borrow money. Yeah, it gets more and more expensive. So it is slow. That's, their, that's what they're charged to do. That's what the Federal Reserve is charged to do is to keep inflation in check. And it has not been in check. So they're trying to do their best efforts. But it does have a trickle down effect. I do. I do get that and understand that, you know, safe investments for the first time. I've talked about this with my clients, safe investments like CDs and money market mutual funds and they're actually paying a little bit. Are they keeping up with inflation? No, not quite. Uh, they're still underneath that. But again, I, I've been in the industry, you know, eleven years now, and I've never had conversations about, "Ooh, let's look at this CD for you." I mean, who who wants like, you know, a one percentage point? Well, that's changed. And if you drive anywhere, you see banks that have advertisements out, you know, four percent, you know, eighteen month, thirteen month CD. So. Those are actually becoming viable options. Again, it doesn't quite keep up with inflation. However, it's also not losing money in the stock market. So there is a little bit of a viable option when it comes to, uh, again, a safer bucket of money that's not pegged, pegged to the market. So it keeps up, it's trying to keep up with it, not fully, but that's why you do have to have some of that market-based investments to to keep up with this stuff because uh, inflation is running pretty high.
0: Sure is. and you know, the next thing that could be running high at some point down the road are taxes. So I know we're in a pretty good spot with taxes, but we know that, you know, the the current rate will sunset in a couple of years and you know, taxes will likely go up. There's no, no, nothing to say for certain, but I think most experts say probably will go up. So what are you thinking about here, Ryan? What are what are you planning for just to make sure that you are prepared for a possibility of a future tax rate increase?
1: Yeah. I I mean, I I still think there is going to be, like you said, these current rates that we're in are going to sunset. So it's, it's guaranteed to go up not significantly, but it's, it's showing if it's, if it keeps as law is put in place, that it goes back to previous values and the the tax rates were slightly higher. So yes. uh, I mean, we, we always are prepared for uh, looking at that in the future. We always look at, Roth conversions, which I think is a great way to uh, get ahead of that tax increase. Uh, So you're moving from, you know, from one pocket to the next. You just have to pay a little bit of tax to have that money from your IRA into your Roth. We all, most people listen to this know once it's in that Roth, um, again, keep it in there five years, make sure you're beyond 59 and a half, and then that money's 100% tax free. So that's a huge way to get around. Taxes going up. So if you have as much tax efficient dollars in your nest egg, then you don't really care what happens to tax rates. So there's a, a way to safeguard around that. Sometimes it's almost impossible to move all IRA money over to a Roth. So we try to be strategic on how much we take out of IRA money. This goes back to the previous point about, you know, which account should I draw from first? Well, be strategic about it. Take take as much out of your IRA that's tax-free. And I said tax-free because, again, we get standard deductions up to a certain amount, which keep increasing. But that, too, is supposed to go backwards um, when these laws uh, tax laws sunset. But still, you can take out a certain amount where you get a, a standard or an itemized deduction, which that money is technically tax-free. So then, okay, what next account do we take it out of? Do we take it out of non-qualified we have social security income coming in. Uh, do we, then do we pull Roth money out? So there's a lot of factors involved, but I do think taxes are gonna go up. Uh, for higher income earners, there's probably not a whole lot you're gonna be able to do uh, when it comes to being creative in uh, tax avoidance. <laughs> that's That's gonna be more of a CPA's conversation with things like that. And I know there's strategies out there to do, there's planning out there to do. So you wanna find a CPA that's a tax planner not necessarily just say tax preparer, tax preparers are great and they need it, they're needed, but we want a planner to kind of navigate the tax code if we will, which don't get me started with that, is even more complex. That's why there's a, so I just saw an article lately that accountants are just flying out of the industry because the federal government, every time they open their mouth, they have to correct something. And Hmm. it gets to a certain point where people are like, uh, you know, they scream uncle, I, I can't do this anymore. So fine, if you got a good CPA, Keep them in your corner because they're tough to find right now.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. Got a few more left here
0: on 10 point checklist. Let's talk about healthcare for a second. Do you have a plan right now to address your healthcare costs? Because I think a lot of people just don't realize how expensive it could become.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And there's many areas of healthcare. Obviously, you know, when people turn 65, they need to at least, um, you know, register for part A. And then, obviously, all the different letters, the alphabet soup of Medicare, hmm. and then supplement plans. And, I mean, we help people with that. I don't do that special specialty. Another advisor in our office does that, and she helps people navigate that. And that's just one prong, I guess you could say, of people's health care. Obviously, you can talk about uh, home health care or nursing care. Is that being addressed is there a long-term care policy is there a life insurance hybrid product or an annuity that helps pay higher income there's a bunch of different ways because just buying a long-term care policy may not be a fit it may be too stinking expensive and the underwriting is is tough um they'll, they'll kick you out they'll they'll deny you in a heartbeat uh, for certain things so you have to be able to address healthcare. Uh, my younger clients, I can't advocate enough, you know, health savings accounts. And I tell people, save as much as you can in those health savings accounts and don't use it unless you have something that is just going to put you in debt. Okay, use it. But build that sucker up because you can invest that money now. You have to keep a certain amount in cash, but you can invest that money now. So it's like another... And HSA is another retirement account, because we're going to need, we're going to use it for some type of health care. And uh, an HSA, it comes out pre-tax, it grows tax deferred, and you take it out tax free, a triple tax benefit that no other account has. So I can't advocate enough. If you have a high deductible plan, uh, save as much as you can, in that health savings account. I wish the government would increase the limits on those. Uh, they're relatively small uh, when it comes to how much you can put in there but I would highly, highly stress doing HSAs. All right. If you want to find out more, again, you can log
0: on blackoakam.com. Go ahead and schedule your retirement coach 360 session now to talk more about that if you have questions. All right. A couple more here. Uh, Legacy plan. Do you have that nailed down yet? How important, Ryan, is that to get nailed down before retirement?
1: Uh, yeah, it's huge. I mean, I just recently had personal experience, uh, with that of a family member and it was, uh, the legacy plan was, uh, prepared and this person passed away and assets not too long ago and assets are already being distributed. Uh, it was in a trust. Uh, so it, 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 trust just avoids probate. It's not public domain. It's as soon as that person passes, then boom, checks can be cut. Uh, so it's just, oh my gosh, it's such a seamless process. And, and then people who have to go through probate, probate a will, uh, you know, most people are going to have to do that, but it just can drag out, especially if you pass away without one. Oh Lord, uh, that, <laughs> that can drag and drag and drag on, uh, in the court system. So having a legacy plan, know where that money's going. I mean, from a advisor level, Uh, From our standpoint, uh, from an estate planning, we obviously, it depends on the types of accounts we can set up, trust accounts. I mean, beneficiaries are the number one thing that we can do as advisors to make sure that is correct because beneficiaries on accounts trump any will. And so many times people are like, no, I got a will. I got a will. It's like, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter if you have your ex-spouse and whoever else on there, they're going to get it. Not what your will says. So from a from an advisor standpoint, we got to make sure beneficiary forms are correct, filled out, um, everything is you know trimmed up on those on those forms. So we always ask that. Hey, beneficiaries changed. Most of the time, it's nope, no, we're good. Okay, all right, let's move on. But just asking that question, uh, we do our job to make sure those things are, are done properly. Okay. All right. We can close out then our
0: discussion here with uh, one last question on the checklist here. Do you have any current investments or any products that you don't quite understand fully?
1: Yeah, this is a pretty common one. A lot of people do uh, because maybe they felt like they got sold or Put into a quote unquote product, and and sometimes when I talk to new leads that come in from the Ramsey site, they're like, "Oh, okay, what products do you have?" It just kind of makes me cringe. I'm like, I just don't like hearing product uh, because it just makes it feel like they're getting sold. Now there are strategies that people are put in, and maybe that's just a slight play on words, but it, it, it it there is a difference. But there's a reason a product sounds like you're just getting sold. A strategy is like, okay, I need this. Like if if An annuity is an option for someone. That means they are just really, really risk adverse. It's not taking a large portion of their liquid assets because, you know, annuities are locked up. Uh, You you pay pretty hefty surrender penalties if you take it out early. Um, So there's a fit. There's no right or wrong product or investment. It's just what is a fit for your situation. So that's kind of what we have to listen in, in when we have meetings with our clients is listen to what their pain points are and and then we present, if you will, strategies. And there's still pros and cons, but strategies that that may be a fit for them. But there's a lot of people that oh, I got this annuity or I got this um, you know, non-traded REIT, this real estate investment I can't get out of. I mean, there's there's things like that. But people just need to know and understand what those are. And and a lot of times, you know, some advisors don't explain them fully.
0: All right. So 10-point checklist to kind of get your retirement on track if it's not already, or at least to make sure you are prepared for that transition uh, whenever that might be coming up, uh, hopefully soon for you, potentially. But if you have questions, again, log on. BlackOakAM.com is the website to get in touch with Black Oak Asset Management. And you can always schedule your retirement coach 360 session online right now. All right, let's open up the mailbag. Got a question to run by you, uh, Brian here from Jacqueline. who says, I'm about to sell a farm that I inherited, which will bring me quite a large sum of money. Should I use this money to pay off my house or just invest the money and use investment income to pay my mortgage for me? Oh, great question.
1: So the large sum of money, a lot of numbers I don't know here. Uh, I'm all for a paid for house when you are in retirement. And actually, did you, I don't think you said specifically if you're in retirement, but nope. anyway, love a paid for house. Uh, at the same time, does this take, does paying for that house, does it zap this large sum of money? Because a large sum of money in quotations is different for everybody. You know, 50 grand, 500 grand, 5 million. I, I don't know what that number is. So Jacqueline, I would say if it doesn't take a large portion of your liquid net worth, because you still need to have assets to be able to live off of and a house is a very illiquid asset it's a great asset it's a great asset to have paid for but you can't pull money out of your house i know some people are listening they're like oh yeah you can you can take a heloc home equity line of credit i get it i understand that but we're trying to avoid that we're not trying to pay a house off and then take debt out It kind of defeats the purpose of the whole thing so a lot depends on what percentage. Is there an exact percentage of how? no? I, you know, I don't know if it's you know less than fifty percent of of that large sum of money. Sure, pay that house off, and you got fifty percent still uh, still in liquid assets. So without knowing specific numbers, uh, Jacqueline, I'm not one hundred percent sure, but I would venture to the side of paying the mortgage and being done with it. Um, Now you can really nerd out and go, okay, what's my mortgage rate? What's my, or excuse me, what's my mortgage? What's my interest rate? What's my payoff balance? How long have I financed this for? And then what rate of return do I need on the investments to pay that? You could go down that path. Um, I probably would as an individual, but uh, talking high level today, I would lean more toward paying the house off.
0: All right. Great question. Thank you for that one, Jacqueline. If you have questions for us and men, blackoakam.com is the website. You can also call anytime 470-508-0508. All right. Please subscribe to the show if you haven't done that already. We appreciate all your support. And Ryan, we'll talk again soon. Absolutely.
1: Just search for Perfect Game Retirement to find us. You can also visit blackoakam.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Ryan Ledner, and to learn more about how to pitch a perfect game in retirement.